0: Love, talk Radio Welcome to the HypnoDojo, a place of learning for practitioners and students of hypnotherapy Get your black belt in all things hypnotherapy as we whip into shape your mindset mastery and marketing. Relax enjoy, learn Here's your sensei Linda Campbell Boom, boom, like a, like a, like a boom Hi, I'm Linda, and thank you so much for joining me on the Hypno Dojo. I am the president of the Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators and run my own hypnotherapy school, the Horizon Center. And the Hypno Dojo is a place for anybody interested in hypnosis, whether you're a practitioner, a student, or a layperson, to come and get some ideas as to how you might improve your practice or add to the things that you're already learning. And today I'm going to talk about something that I see a lot, not only with my clients, but with my students as well. And this is changing our programming around money. So first, why do we want to change our programming around money? (laughs) Well, don't we all want to have enough? Don't we all want to have a life that is fulfilling and rewarding and where we're able to be successful? going to just Take a little aside here. This is particularly important for my students, I think. I mean, yes, it's important for my clients as well. But this is something that I cover in my program to a certain degree because here are these students coming and taking training with me. They are committing five grand almost and a year of their life to learning hypnotherapy. And in the classes, I'm giving them tons of information and they're getting plenty of time to practice and I'm giving them good quality material. However, if we have a mindset around money that says it's not right to ask for money, that you know, we have to work hard for our money, uh, if people have a hard time putting a value on what it is they do, it doesn't matter how good your hypnotherapy training is or how great the techniques are that you're being taught, your business is not going to flourish. I believe that there's three pieces that we have to have in place. Uh, before our business will do well. There's mastery of the techniques we're being taught. Obviously, if you're a lousy hypnotherapist, you're not going to make a good earning. Uh, The second is marketing. Uh, You can have, again, great hypnotherapy skill and a lot of good education, um, but if people can't find you, then you're not going to earn a living. And then the last is your mindset. Talking about today, when I talk about changing your programming around money, if you're, again, unable to ask, for money from a client, if you feel kind of weird about doing that, uh, or you have a hard time wrapping your head around being an entrepreneur, being a business person, then again, that can affect not only your business, but the kind of results that you get from your clients. Clients put value on what they have to pay for. Uh, you know, I tell my students when they graduate from my program to do some research into what the going rate is for a hypnotherapist in whatever area they're going to work in. I'm in Victoria, BC, and here it's maybe 80 to 100 $120 an hour for a startup hypnotherapist. Now, a lot of my students say, well, you know, I'm just starting out. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't feel like I have enough experience yet, so I'm going to put my rates down really low. But take a moment to consider this if you're charging maybe 60 bucks for your sessions and people are doing research to see who's out there and what they're charging if they come across your rate of $60 and then they come across other rates of 80, 100, 120, 110, 140 what are they going to think about your rate what are they going to think about you they're going to think you don't have experience that you they don't know that you don't know what you're doing and they're going to pick somebody who's in that uh, you know medium to higher range rate they're not going to pick the person who looks low. And there's a bigger reason for pricing yourself accordingly uh, as well. Um, and this is kind of a I could get on my soapbox and lecture about this forever. Hypnotherapy is not very widely understood. People still think of stage hypnosis or street hypnosis when they think of hypnosis. They don't realize hypnotherapy is a is a profession, just like counseling therapists, that you know, the hypnotherapy gives it away, but we still are way in this field. So, people already kind of assign us the same kind of credential or credibility often as street or stage hypnotists. So, we got to fight against that reputation. If we are pricing ourselves really low, we're implying in doing so that we're not professional, that this isn't a credible career, a credible choice for therapy. So, we really need to maintain our professional image by not undercutting our colleagues. If your colleagues are charging in the $100 range in the area that you are living in and you're charging 60 then you're making the whole profession look bad, right? So we also want to respect the profession, respect the time and energy that you've put into your studies, respect the fact that you are providing for people a real transformation and charge what the transformation is worth. Okay, so I'm going to step off my soapbox. But this is why I spend a lot of time on this topic, is I want my students to not only have confidence in the skills that they're learning, but to be able to go out and confidently ask for whatever the going rate is. Again, if you don't want this to be just a hobby, but a career, you need to get comfortable around money, which means, again, possibly changing some of your own money programming. When I first started working as a hypnotherapist, I had been teaching prior And as a teacher, I made roughly $35,000 a year, which coming out of university, you know, having only kind of made minimum wage up to that point seemed like a lot of money. When I went from doing uh, therapy, or sorry, doing teaching to doing hypnotherapy a while to get accustomed to asking for an hourly rate that was way higher than what I was getting paid per hour as a teacher. When I initially started my practice, I started in Dunton, which is a pretty small town. The going right there at that time was about sixty dollars an hour. But to go from $35,000 a year to $60 an hour, I actually had to practice saying that I charged $60 an hour with a straight face and without it sounding like meek or timid. If you're saying to your prospective clients, that'll be a, a $60 an hour, they're going to be like, okay, you don't know what you're doing. So you got to get confident saying it. I now charge in the $160 range, and my clients don't have a problem paying for it. I don't have a problem asking for it. I know that this work that I'm doing is worth that hourly rate. I've done work on my own programming, and now I'm making you know, four times a year more than what I was making as a, as a teacher. So I think of the messages that you might have received about money growing up. Now, some of these messages would have been direct messages, things you were actually told, things you actually heard, but also take into consideration indirect messages. We can be observing what's going on in our environment, our parents, what they do out there in the world, how they feel about their careers. They never have to say anything to us, all kinds of opinions and beliefs just by watching them. And so the common messages that people share with me That they've picked up things like money doesn't grow on trees. In other words, there's never enough to go around. It's always short. That it's hard to make money or we have to work really hard in order to make money. Uh, That people with money are shallow or, you know, somehow not good people. Of course, we've all heard the love of money is the root of all evil. Then, of course, there's messages we may have received about how certain careers or certain paths are not viable, you know, things like you can't make money doing something innovative or doing something creative, the whole starving artist mentality. And then there's the old, you can't be spiritual and be wealthy. In other words, if you're doing something like hypnotherapy, which may have kind of a a spiritual or esoteric meaning that somehow... In that kind of a profession, or I'm dealing with a little bit of a throat issue, uh, it's, you're not going to have a lucrative career. I grew up hearing that a garbage man doesn't love picking up the garbage. You don't have to love doing what you do. You do your job, you do your nine to five, and you can enjoy your life when you retire. So when I went from doing my nine-to-five teaching job to, oh my gosh, starting a business as a hypnotherapist, it was difficult for me to step into that. I was letting go of something predictable. I was letting go of something that I didn't love in, in order to step into something that I did love, and it went against all my programming. So I had to really face a lot of my own internal beliefs. When I launched a practice and moved into doing something that was actually something I did love. So how do you know if you have a limiting belief around money? Simple. Look at the facts. Do you live paycheck to paycheck? Do you get stressed out about money? Do you find yourself laying awake at night thinking about the bills or how you're going to be able to afford some big expense that's coming up? Do you find yourself with unexpected expenses if extra money comes in? So you make a little extra money, but then the car breaks down, or your kid needs braces, or something comes up and just magically swoops that money away. Uh, are your bills and income tax, et cetera, all paid and paid on time, or do you kind of put it off? Is there enough money for the things that you need and the things that you want? Are you in debt? And you may have yeses to some of these questions and noes to some of these questions. It doesn't mean you know, that you only have stuff around money if you have all of these checked off. You can have some areas that are doing really well and other areas where you still have challenges. Uh, for example, I no longer worry about if there's going to be enough clients or enough money coming in. I don't live paycheck to paycheck. There's always extra. There's plenty to go around for what I need and what I want. So that part of my money programming, I've dealt with, I've worked on, I no longer question whether I'm going to be okay when it comes to money. But where I still have some work to do is I don't particularly you know, like paying income tax. I pay it, but I'm always behind, or I'm always having to be reminded, or I always pawn my shoulder. So I know that I still have a little bit of programming about having to give money away when I feel like and this is completely illogical, a lot of our programming is, when I feel like I'm not getting anything useful back, I'm happy to pay for rent, I'm happy to pay for food, I'm happy to pay for things where I can see the actual benefit to me. But when it comes to something where the benefit is kind of you know, not not fathomable, it's not tangible, that's where I know I have a little bit of a money hang-up. So there's still a little bit of work to do there, I'm definitely in a completely different place than I would have been years and years and years ago where I was still living paycheck to paycheck or having concerns about how I was going to have all my needs met. So the facts will show you what's going on in your psyche, and we'll give some clues as to what money beliefs are solid and good and which ones are still shaky. So do I live paycheck to paycheck? Nope. Do I have enough money for my needs and wants? Yes. Those beliefs are solid. I don't have to do any work, work on those. But when it comes to giving money out, then I need to obviously do a little bit of tweaking around that. So our internal world is a, sorry, our external world is a mirror of our internal world. Just by looking at your environment and by looking at the, the facts of reality when it comes to money, you'll know what's going on in your internal world. So how do we get these beliefs? Now, typically, we're getting our beliefs around money from our parents. And again, I mentioned directly and indirectly, there will be things that they actually say to us, but then we're also observing them and picking up beliefs just through osmosis being around them. So some examples from clients that I've worked with, I actually had a really, really interesting interview uh, with a potential client today and uh, her parents when she was little, were very well-respected, high-earning professionals. Uh, She was in Yugoslavia when she was a child, and a Civil War broke out, and her parents basically lost everything. And so she has a belief that is showing up in her own life that if she's successful, she's going to lose it all. And again, that was just a product of watching what her parents experienced. She saw them rise to success and then come crashing down. And so there's this expectation, this belief that it's going to happen to her as well when it comes to her own career. And so she has a pattern of, you know, beginning to build things up and then something happens and it all falls apart. Uh, Now I had another client whose parents complained a lot about people who had a lot of money, put them down, insulted them, made it sound as though they were just like the scum of the earth. And of course my clients, struggles with having enough money herself. Why would we become something that we've been taught is unacceptable? We will never become something we've been taught to loathe. And so as long as she still has the belief that people with money are horrible, terrible people, there's no way that her own subconscious will allow her to be one of those terrible, horrible people. I had another uh, client who was told by her mother, you're going to be useless, just like your father. And of course, was never able to get anything really off the ground, would kind of get something halfway started. And then again, it would just fall apart. So there can be messages around money, but also messages that kind of imply how successful you're going to be or what you're going to be able to achieve or not. So the real problem here is that we get these messages from our parents, But our parents came from a completely different time than we do. So I'm almost 50 years old. My parents are in their, well, my father's deceased now, but my parents were in their late 70s. So they've got a good, you know, almost 30 years on me. So they had a completely different upbringing and a completely different, you know, set of beliefs that were valid and appropriate at the time when they were going into the workforce that is totally invalid for where we live now. So take a moment to consider, you know, there used to be a time where the only time you could really make good money was going to university and getting a job at something like a doctor or an accountant, you know, one of these high-paying jobs. There weren't any other options or possibilities. Now we've got the internet. Now we have people who are billionaires who have made money online in one capacity or another or have made money creating something that wasn't even perceived of when our parents were growing up. And so we've kind of gotten the VCR manual from our parents, and we're using it to try to program our MP3 player. In other words, the messages that they've given us are based on their time, on their era, on their experience, and they had fewer options and fewer possibilities than we do. But the subconscious just looks at the big people, our parents, as geniuses. They know everything. They were our first teachers. They were the first people who told us the grass is green and that cows have calves. I've almost said cows have kittens. Yikes. And so we just believe everything our parents tell us when we're little. We don't have the ability to step back and go, oh, maybe this person has their own issues. Maybe this person was disappointed in their career, and that's why they're telling me this BS. We just believe what our parents tell us. And so they tell us money doesn't grow on trees. It's really hard to make money. You're going to have to, you know, suffer and, and like bleed to get a career you enjoy. And despite the fact that there is evidence all around us of the opposite, that belief will still be running the show. The subconscious doesn't update. It has, it's illogical. And so it doesn't know that the messages we're getting are just somebody's belief or just somebody's experience or were valid for their time but are not valid for our time. Once we take a message into the subconscious, it basically just stays there and your subconscious drives 90 to 95% of your behavior. And so let's look at my client whose parents lost everything in the war. Uh, It's valid that during that time in Yugoslavia when a civil war broke out that people who were highly respected and had money lost it. But here she is now living in Canada where there's no no war and there isn't that type of threat going on. And yet the subconscious still believes that if I become successful, I'm going to go through the same thing that my parents went through. Again, a completely invalid and illogical belief for here, for this era, for this part of the world, but the subconscious doesn't know any better. It wants to protect It's thinking, well, I don't want a terrible thing to happen to you, so we better keep the income down because apparently, according to what I've witnessed, when you're making a lot of money, bad things can happen. And so we pick up messages from people who live in a completely different time, who have different experiences than we do, who have fewer possibilities or options than we have now, but the subconscious just holds them. And, of course, the other problem is the messages that we get are also tainted. People have their own issues, their own upbringing, their own childhood, their own life experiences that color the way they see the world. So, you know, maybe father was a frustrated musician who was told by his parents, you can't make money doing music. And so he just kind of passed that belief along that you can't do something creative and expect it to be lucrative. Now, that's because he was taught something. That's because he had a certain experience. But that doesn't necessarily mean that experience is valid for your client. So, again, the messages that we pick up are tainted. They are contaminated by somebody else's life experience. And yet the subconscious doesn't recognize that. It just responds to them as though they're valid. So basically how it works is we are exposed to these big people who know things, We observe or we're told by them certain things about money or career or our ability to be successful. The subconscious just takes it in because they're authorities. They are the big people. They know things. They understand the world. So this must be true. The subconscious takes it in. The subconscious runs 90 to 95% of your behavior. It just plays that program. It doesn't matter how illogical the message is. It doesn't matter how irrelevant it is to where you are in life now. The subconscious doesn't update it. We can know in our logical mind, I can be good and spiritual and have money, or I can do something that is creative and make a good living at it or whatever. But if the subconscious has a different belief, guess who wins? Subconscious. It's simple math. Subconscious runs 95% of your behavior. Of course it's going to win. So what do we work on when we have a client who comes in who has stuff around money? Well, the first thing that I want to do is I want to examine the source. I want to get a sense of who the parents were or who else they might have gotten their messages around money from. I want to know what their experiences were like. What was their history? What was their career like? What was their upbringing like? What kind of messages would they have received? What kind of agenda did they have? Were they trying to, you know, in passing that message along, save you some grief or save you some heartache? I want to understand how the client came to get the belief system that they have so I can look for places to introduce doubt so I can begin to reframe those beliefs. Uh, For example, I had a client whose father grew up on a farm. And so he believed from his own experience growing up that women didn't need to have an education. So he paid for all of the boys to go to school, but the women dropped out of school early and worked on the farm. So again, my client had a lot of stuff around her ability to be successful and her role in the world. So when I know that the father was you know, conditioned from his own upbringing that women don't need careers – I have a place I can go in now and introduce some doubt to begin to change, to shift what that person believes. So I I create what I call hypnotic argument, and it might look a little something like this. And it's really obvious. Usually the client already knows. So hypnotic argument around that might be, your father passed on a belief to you that women don't need to have an education. And he may have believed that because that's what was taught to him. And it may have been valid for his era or for the area that he grew up in because back then it wasn't common for women to go to school. However, where you are in your life now, it's much more common for women to be in the workforce. It's much more common for women to be educated. A lot of women have both families and careers. And so the messages you got from your dad are no longer valid or appropriate for where you are now. Therefore, you feel comfortable pursuing an education. You feel comfortable putting yourself into the workforce or whatever it might be. So I'm basically explaining how you believed this because of what you were told. But here's a different perspective. Here's a different angle. Here's a different way of looking at it. So I'm updating with hypnotic argument where I'm basically looking at the messages they believed and creating a counter argument. I'm also going to get the client to look for examples of the opposite. So, for example, if the client has been brought up to believe that you can't be spiritual and wealthy, I might get them to think about people that they know or know of who are both spiritual and wealthy. So, for example, Oprah Winfrey, right, probably the wealthiest woman in the world ever, and is somebody who is very open about her spirituality. Uh, You might have a client who was brought up to believe that you can't make money in an innovative or creative field. Well, look at Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. If you can get them to consider people they're aware of who have been able to achieve that, again, it starts breaking down that belief. If they have a belief that you have to work really hard for your money, I'm going to get them to pay attention, you know, pay, play a game of eyes spy, start paying attention and looking out for people who love their work and have a lucrative career. And so again, I'm, I'm getting the client to collect evidence that supports the belief that they want to maintain, that you can be spiritual and wealthy, that you can make money doing something creative, that you don't have to work hard for money in order to turn around the beliefs that they picked up. Of course, I'm going to work on instilling new beliefs. I'm going to ask the client, what would you like to believe? Or what do you believe consciously that you want your subconscious to know? Part of that might be doing a future progression. Have the client imagine themselves at a time in the future when they've achieved what they want to achieve when it comes to the amount of money they have or adjusting those belief systems and play through scenarios that would be evidence that the belief has changed. So they might imagine having plenty of money in the bank or being able to take a wonderful vacation or having their bills all paid on time and still a surplus of money left over. So this is going to come from the client. I'm going to ask the client, you know, what would you like instead? What, What would be proof that you've accomplished what you've come here to accomplish? Then I'm going to get ready to write because those are the things I'm going to get them to imagine while they're in hypnosis. So by getting the client to do a little future progression where they're playing through scenarios that are evidence that they've achieved the goal they come to achieve, it imprints into the subconscious that this is possible. The subconscious doesn't know the difference between something real and something imagined. So when the client can play through future scenarios of success or wealth or abundance or whatever it is, the mind buys that as though it's actually occurring. So I may do a future progression. Uh, I may, like, kind of pose the question, if anything were possible, what would you be doing with all of that money you would be earning? And, again, have them play through some scenarios. And with every client on every goal, I'm always prompting uh, the subconscious for any other information or direction that would be useful. I call this a tweak, and it sounds a little something like this. Your subconscious knows everything about you. It's got all your history stored within. It understands all your beliefs and behaviors, why you do what you do and don't do what you don't do. Whatever it is we need to know or understand in order to help you to have the abundance or the wealth or whatever that you would like to have, your subconscious will give you insight into that. It might be a memory that surfaces. It might be a feeling or a knowing or a thought. It might be an aha moment, one of those cathartic moments when suddenly things make sense. But whatever it is we need to know or understand will come through. Your subconscious will give you clarity around it because its job is to help you out. And simply because you have a goal of having more wealth or abundance or whatever, your subconscious will shine light on any beliefs or any experiences that are having an impact on you otherwise. So That's the tweak, just kind of prompting the subconscious for what else do we need to know here? How can we get from point A to point B as efficiently as possible? So I hope that's given you some ideas as to things that you can do with your clients or even with yourself to help to improve your money mindset. And again, I think as a practitioner, this is crucial. There are so many people out there. I I rent office space, so not only do I have a lot of startup hypnotherapists in my life from my students, but I also have a lot of counselors and therapists and body workers and alternative health care workers who I see on a regular basis. Um, my office, I rent uh, five offices, and we rent them hourly. So we often get people who are new, who are starting up. We run a mastermind once a month for the people who rent offices from us to help one another to establish our businesses, to look at where we're stuck and offer each other support or advice or whatever. And this is something that comes up over and over and over. Struggling business can often be a Again, a reflection of some belief system that's keeping you stuck. If a person is not comfortable asking for money, if they don't feel confident that what they have to offer is worth it, if they have any old stuff around, or you have to work hard, or you can't be spiritual and have money, that's going to block you every single time. So again, I think if you're a practitioner, this is really worth looking at if you want your business to be successful, just saying, Um, but also really valuable if you're a layperson as well. So I hope that gave you some good ideas. Uh, Next week, I'm going to be talking about the occupational hazards of being a hypnotherapist and how you can avoid them. Now, this is a conversation that came up in one of my classes recently, and we were kind of hashing through what are some of the pitfalls associated with doing this kind of work. For example, counseling is apparently one of the careers that has the highest rate of burnout and suicide rates. Now I 'm saying counselors, hypnotherapy, if you are well trained, is different because you're going to see people get results, but that's something to be aware of going into this field so that you can make sure you don't fall into that trap. store yourself up against it. So tune in next week when I talk about occupational hazards and how to avoid them. And if you're interested in hypnotherapy training, I have classes in Victoria, B.C., as well as online. And my online classes are all face-to-face, on Zoom, interactive, so we can see each other and hear each other and practice together. The classes all begin in September. I am now taking applications for those programs, and I do expect them to fill up. We are conditioned to go back to school in September, so my classes will be full. If you're interested in information, you can contact me at info at Horizon Center Hypnotherapy.com, or you can give me a call at 250-382-2485. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a wonderful weekend. Okay, take one with <laughs> corrections with Campbell. Campbell, Campbell. Campbell. Okay. Get your black belt in all things hypnotherapy and never. <laughs>